Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Dr. Dad's Podcast. Uh, David, it's been like a couple weeks, man. I've, I've been missing you. We're back. <laughs> we, <laughs> March was a busy month, man. March and end of February was, was madness for both of us. But yes, it's good to see you, man. I, I, I missed you. I missed our talks every every week. And I think our listeners are missing us too, man. They're like, hey, are you guys going to post any more podcasts? I was like, yeah, we just got some stuff going on. I'm going to get back at it. Well, we launched our podcast, too, or not our podcast, we launched our website uh, yes. as well, which is great. Uh, so for good. our listeners, go check it out. It's pretty awesome. Nick did an amazing job. I'm going to give him the credit there. I he had did. very little input. It was, team but, uh, it, it was somewhat of a team effort, but Nick handled most of that. But yeah, go check out the, the website. Uh, we're going to add a few more things here in the next month or so uh, for you guys to have links to on there for many of the things that we always talk to you about and preach and things that we use on a daily basis. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited, man. Uh, we yeah, have and give them the, give them the link address, buddy. Yeah. So it's www.thedoctordadspodcast.com. Yeah. I think it's just the doctordads.com. Or the doctor dads. Yeah, yeah. I think either one will work actually. I think they both um, work. Yeah. Yeah. But check it out. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, shoot us a message on there. There's a way to contact us. Uh, if you guys have any questions, anybody, anything you want us to talk about, uh, potential guests to get on the show, me and Nick get hit up all the time to get guests on. So we're always looking for interesting people and topics and themes. So any of that stuff would be great. But yeah, man, I'm ready to get back at it, man. Yeah. So we're, we're going to dive into uh, all things related to muscle, muscle repair, muscle building, muscle recovery. And we're going to dive into some of our own experiences um, just with, you know, our, our collegiate sports and things that we did in our past. Uh, and then what we do to maintain, preserve, and with that mindset of longevity. So I thought we could maybe start with, you know, so David played uh, college football. I played college basketball. We, we played at pretty, you know, I guess, elite levels. Um, we obviously didn't get as far as we would have maybe liked to, but uh, we were in these training circumstances, which demanded a lot of our bodies, and uh, we didn't know what we know now. So, but let's, let's give a little, like, I guess, highlight maybe of what some people, whether they're in high school, college, or, you know, weekend warrior um, club teams and things like that, you know, what did, what did you do when you were going through some of the training and that maybe you still do now, which I, I think would be interesting to see. You hit it on the head when you said, I wish I knew now, like back then, right? Like yeah. that's saying, you know, when we were playing, I think I've talked to you about this, but you like so clueless. And then you're going off the advice of many of these people, like your strength coaches and stuff, and they're doing the best with what they know. Right. I'm not going to bad talk anybody there, but man, like, I've learned so many lessons from all the mistakes I've made of not being able to attain the goals I wanted either with my building or the recovery, right? To where I'm at a place now in my late 30s from, from trials and tribulations. And honestly, of learning the best way to do it versus ways I thought I was supposed to do it. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of conventional wisdom around many of these things. And I think it comes from 
a lot of people in the gym, they read different articles or they read different things. And so you kind of hear a lot of things that really when you, when you put them to the test, they don't work, to be honest with you. And it's bad advice. And you see this a lot. I think that's why a lot of people actually struggle to sometimes get some of these goals that they want, right? Yeah. So like to start, I think would be a good place to talk about, we can maybe talk about some myths as far as your approach of going into these things. And the first thing I kind of start with that I tell everybody when it comes to either building muscle uh, and just getting gains in whatever direction that looks like. So whether you're a collegiate player, uh, you're a, a dad like us, and you're just trying to stay in shape and fit, there's just some basic principles that will ring true for everybody, no matter where you're at. And one is I tell all my people, stress plus rest equals growth. Now... Why do I stress this? Because everybody forgets the rest part. Mm-hmm. We have this idea that we think the more stress we put on our body, the more we exercise, the more times you get in the gym, the more intensity you can build you know, throughout the week in your workouts, you're going to have bigger gains. And the reality is that is 100% incorrect. And it took me till I was like in my mid-30s to figure that out, man. Yeah. It really did. <laughs> Took me to in my mid thirties. Same boat. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of sad, right? Because like when you're younger, you want those gains. You want to be seeing those things. And when you're not getting them, it gets frustrating. I mean, I remember being in my 20s when I was playing ball at UTEP. And, you know, I was I was strong, but I wouldn't say I was physically fit, well round, well-rounded fit with my body. I didn't have the best recovery. I didn't know what that was back then. Flexibility was just, probably wasn't there either. Yeah, I had no mobility. or I mean, there was a lot of holes you could have punched in my, in my yeah. fitness level. But as far as building my body back then, it was simple as you train five, six days a week. You drink protein shakes. There was some creatine thrown in there from time to time. Mm-hmm. And that was about it, man. Like, and then I just ate like a horse all the time. Yeah. When I was at UTEP, I think I weighed like 195 back then. I weighed like 165 now. But it's just interesting how, how plain it was. And yeah, I, w- I was big and thick, but it's kind of one of those things where you look swole big, as like we call it, because you're inflamed and you're puffy and you're not actually lean and ripped and seeing muscle, right? And I remember always thinking like, how come I can't get that lean physique and look all ripped? And I always look, I look big and muscular, but I'm all puffy and swollen, right? So that's kind of my little tidbit. But the biggest thing I realized was, number one, was my diet played a huge role in that. The amount of sleep I was getting played a huge role in that. uh, And the amount of rest. And those three things were not a huge thing for me back then. Yeah. And why would they be like a, you know, someone going to college, you're having fun, you're... I remember, I remember my first year playing, playing uh, basketball and, and we were eating food on, on res, you know, and, and it was like, sure, I'll have French fries again today. I'll, I'll eat that you know, trans fat. I'll, I'll snack all day. I'll do, you know, it, it was sort of my first time away from my parents and uh, in, in res, you know, in the residence uh, cafeteria, you could kind of just whatever you kind of felt like, if you feel like I'm French fries, you, you do it or you know, the extra potatoes. And it, there was no uh, conscience back then, I think, just the power of nutrition. You know, fast forward to where we are now, I'm, I imagine in college, I imagine in some of these other programs, probably more so in the US than, than in Canada, because I think you guys just have overall have more sophisticated 
um, you know, coaches and things like that that are helping players. But um, I'm sure nutrition is much more of a big focus uh, than it used to be. However, there's still gaps in that. And I love how you started this from that first myth of just understanding recovery. So let's, before we jump into maybe the second myth around just eat as much as you can and, and crush the protein shakes, let's dive into just what is, what does rest mean? Like what is that space for repair and how does that tie to sleep? Well, the first thing I would start with is just the whole sleep piece. Cause I would say you got to get good sleep. You know, if you're not sleeping, you're not repairing, you're not recovering. <clears throat> you can go weeks without getting adequate sleep and good quality sleep, and you're losing your gains right there. And that's something a lot of people need to work on. They don't have good sleep uh, behaviors. They don't have, they don't have a good, they're not even on a good circadian rhythm, which you should, should be trying to achieve something like that. So, you know, when you hit that sweet spot, I always tell everybody when you're in that rhythm, you you'll wake up at almost the same time every day and you'll be falling asleep at the same time every day. You know, I beat my alarm when I'm in my rhythm. But what's funny is if I ever start to sway away from my sleep habits, I stay up a little longer and watch a movie with Clarissa or I eat something too late. This starts to, to, to really, uh, it really messes up my sleep, man. Yeah. And then I'll lose an hour here or there. And then by the end of the week, I'm catching up. So like, there's gotta be a little bit of discipline, man. So sleep's huge. So I would start there with anybody. If you're not sleeping well, you've got to get better sleep. Uh, second to that is when you're looking at just recovery, there's days where you just take off and you don't work out that day. And then there's active recovery. So active recovery could be things like, Oh, I'm going to do a yoga flow today, or I'm going to go on a nice, you know, low uh, intensity jog and just kind of open up and get my heart rate up and, you know, run for maybe 30 or 40 minutes. So there's things that we can do even when we're not putting tons of stress. It's just a little bit moderate stress on our body, but our body's still able to recover. And in all honesty, things like cardio on an active recovery day are great. They push lactic acid through the body. They get your circulation going getting muscle contraction, get that lymphatic flow. There's all these things that's happening when you're just moving a little bit more on those days of rest, right? Yeah. And then, like I said earlier, it's good just to sometimes just have a day of rest. Mm -hmm. You know, I have some clients, they'll, they'll get stagnant in the gym with their gains and, you know, they're not seeing progress there. Uh, and I'll say, you know what? And I'll ask them how often they're working out. And I'll say, you know what? Just rest one more day of the week. And they always kind of look at me like, what? And I'm like, just take one more day off of the week and either do active recovery or don't work out. And then literally, man, within like two weeks, they're starting to get their gains again and things are coming back. And they look at me like, I'm like, it's the recovery. It's not the stress. <laughs> it's, it's you're, you're doing too much and your body can't keep up with those RPMs. Right. So yeah, man, uh, that, that, that right there is, I think a big mistake that a lot of people make. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the guys that I reference a lot is Dr. Doug McCuff. Have you ever followed any, any of his stuff? That sounds he's, familiar. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the, um, he's, he's basically, he's a, he's a doctor that, that obviously focuses in on exercise physiology, but his whole thing is super slow training and really burning out that muscle. But the big thing is that he teaches is that, you know, you, you truly got to tune into your body because what do you, a lot of his philosophy, especially for those that, that are, don't have an active routine, they're just slowly getting back into it. 
you know, he has something called the big five, which is like pull downs, press, uh, squats, and there's two other things. Um, maybe it's deadlifts or something, but it says there's only the, the big five that you do when you go to the gym, go, th go through super, super slow sets. And it really upregulates the activity of your super fast twitch muscle fibers. So you fatigue faster. You only need to spend 15 to 20 minutes in the gym. But his whole thing that he keeps harping on is recovery. Maybe, you know, if you're just starting, you do that once a week, you know, and that's your workout. Maybe then you're doing this more active recovery on those opposite days, which could be yoga or, you know, a jog or whatever it is. Um, and and breaking through your gains this in this kind of switching up your 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 weight routine is is huge as well but the whole thing of like pushing on a daily basis just depletes you know the adrenal system the, you know the thyroid and everything else the other stress systems in the body the brain even and so that your your recovery even at sleep time is just not quite there so, you know, knowing where to sequence those weight days where you're really challenging your body with that stress, as you, as you mentioned, uh, is really powerful. And, and so I think that, um, you know, people can check out some of his work as well uh, on this topic of, of stress and, and rest. Well, the um, other cool thing, sorry, but since no, no, on that topic, you know, the whole like going through those movements really slow, that's great for muscle recruitment. You actually recruit more spindle cells when you do it that way, right? Yeah. And so you get more contraction of the entire muscle. So from a building standpoint, I love stuff like that. I will do things like that on and off with like air squats or lunges or just real simple dynamic movements just to see. And what you'll notice when you do these things is you'll start shaking sometimes on certain yeah. movements. And that honestly is showing you that there's an, a recruitment issue in that muscle of recruiting all those spindle cells. And then the other piece that I wanted to say, because you're talking about the hormone piece and everything, is let's just back up real quick. You know, the whole thing that we're talking about for recovery is what people need to understand is, you know, I tell even Diego this, and he already knows this at seven. So it's funny. The other day I was like, hey, buddy, how do we build our body when we're in the gym or, or after? And he goes, after that. So he already gets that concept and I want to make sure he understands that at his age because I didn't get that until my 30s, right? <laughs> but I, what people need to understand is any type of exercise you do, doesn't matter what it is, the whole goal of that activity is you're creating a hormone cascade in your body. And this will differ between yoga or running or jogging or I go do CrossFit or I go and sculpt in the gym. I mean, everything you do is going to give a different type of hormone cascade, mm -hmm. but it's everything that you do from the moment you leave that workout and that activity that is going to build on those hormones. So like what Nick is saying too, if you're doing too much, you get into this, this really bad area of just constantly putting too much stress on your nervous system and your body cannot keep up. And there's only so much hormones to go around. So if you're not using them to build your body and you're doing too much, what do you think you're utilizing those hormones for to try to keep up basically? Yeah. And to that point, let's, let's, let's take that a step further. Let's say someone is a collegiate athlete. They, they have to show up their practice, you know, um, and with that in mind, uh, I also want to make sure we talk about some biohacks, some other tools, like you, you like to use the compression boots and other things like I'd like to jump into some other, you know, what are some other um, maybe passive recovery type tools that you could utilize. But let's talk about someone who's, you know, has to stick to a program for, you know, external 
circumstances, like I said, being part of a team and whatnot. So what can they do to, to maximize their recovery? So the first thing I tell all my athletes is you're fighting inflammation. That's like, that's the first thing you have to focus on is we're fighting inflammation. So really a big piece of that is just diet. Like, are you eating right? So we're back to eating. So, I mean, we talk about these all the time. So one of the big culprits for everybody is sugar. If you're eating too, consuming too much sugar, this is, this is holding you back largely because yeah. this is contributing to a large, a large amount of inflammation. Uh, outside of that, I would tell people toxic fats. We talk about this all the time. So if you're eating out too much, you're getting lots of toxic fats. Um, and just based off those two, man, I'm not going to throw gluten into there because some people do okay with gluten. Okay. But toxic fats and sugar would be the two main culprits. I would say in your food that you got to be real careful with that are already messing you up. But the other piece of this is how well are you digesting the food that you're eating? Yeah. So I've seen huge things in athletes that have poor digestion and their ability to build their body. Well, this is that swole fat, right? Or they look inflamed and puffy all the time. That's because they have back gut function. So if you're not assimilating those nutrients, right, you're not breaking them down. Well, you're not getting those for energy to fuel your body and to feed and build your body. So that's a big issue is digestion. So something as simple as taking some enzymes to make sure you're digesting when you eat your meals. And the other thing I tell my athletes, this is good. So when you go work out, if you ate, let's say an hour and a half, two hours before your workout, and then you go in the gym and start working out and you didn't digest that food well, you cannot pull and circulate blood into your muscles for that workout. So two mm -hmm. things, number one, you're not going to get the building you want. You're not going to get that tissue perfusion. So you're opening yourself up to injuries or causing an issue when you actually train. But well, listen up, everybody, when you eat, your body prioritizes digesting that food and it will pull all of that blood into your gut to try to break that food down. So if you don't digest efficiently, when you hit that gym, you're still trying to break food down and you cannot perfuse tissue. And that's another big thing. So for some of you who have digestive issues, enzymes are a great way to help you assimilate a little bit better, digest that food. So by the time you get in the gym, you're done digesting and your, your body can focus on shunting that blood where it needs to go to help you build. Yeah, man, you said so many important things there and it's, it's so understated, you know, I just thinking back to, to my days, like no one asked about digestion. It was, it was normal to be gassy because of all the, the protein, protein. powder you were eating, <laughs> but it's just, it was sort of a joke, but it wasn't really uh, discussed in a way that like, this is a, a, a massive priority. So on the topic of protein, you know, this is where let's talk about amino acids a little bit. And let's talk about um, some time restricted eating tools that, that athletes and dads and, you know, moms, you know, other people that, that are doing uh, some of their own sort of self-guided type exercise and being consistent. But let's talk about, yeah, amino acids. And then let's talk about uh, the sort of the, the sweet spot, I guess, of, of a meal window. Well, you and me had a great discussion with Dr. David Minkoff where we talk mm -hmm. about not all proteins are created equal. And, you know, that was another thing I wish I had known when I was younger, because like you said, totally. they were like shoving whey protein down us like 24 seven. And uh, let me tell you, everybody, when you're in a locker room full of 55 guys and they're all <laughs> on a high protein diet of go drinks, they were called go drinks back then at UTEP. And we used to have this ongoing joke. We called the chocolate one chocolate thunder because everyone would have horrible gas. Right. But yeah. 
you don't, you know, not all proteins are created equal. Go back. We have a, 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 a podcast. It was called the perfect amino with uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. David Minkoff, but me and Nick and Dr. Minkoff talk about, you know, how Dr. Minkoff went on this search for the best proteins to utilize for athletes, just anybody in general to get the most absorption. And it's amazing. You start to learn that, wow, we don't absorb some of these things very well. So we're not getting what we want out of them. Things like whey protein and even mm-hmm. some of our dietary proteins. But when you eat a good amino acid supplement and they're not all created equal, everybody, you have mm-hmm. to find a good company. The reason we're so big on a company called Body Health is because of the absorption that these give you. OK, yeah. these are pretty amazing. And the fact that you're getting a 99 percent absorption of these, you got the right ratios of aminos. And then it's amazing what happens when you actually get on a really good protein to your body on the efficiency of how you build. But it goes beyond muscle. Right. So having that right type of protein is humongous because it's tissue turnover. You're building muscle. You're mm. literally damaging and rebuilding and damaging and rebuilding. And if you're not putting the right stuff in, your body can't utilize it, then you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. You're just kind of spinning your wheels. And you know what I've learned, you know, at our age now, man, is like when you use the right tools, it's just so much easier. (laughs) So much easier. Let us think if we were still doing what we did in the past and, you know, expecting the same results, we would, we would be sorely compromising our our body and definitely a repair process. Uh, But yeah, I love the aminos. I mean, those are, those are one of the supplements that I just take religiously, Uh, whether or not I've had a, you know, harder workout day. It's just, it's part of, part of life. It's part of the building blocks of the brain, the immune system, the, enzymes in the body the obviously the the cartilage the hormones i mean everything it's it's a part of it's part of the entire cascade of human physiology and and it's there to help you build muscle so it's it's an important tool Um, so basically we would we would suggest get rid of the protein powder right i mean focus on true amino acids the true building blocks which which help to build muscle and the actin myosin the, the the components of muscle contraction those are basically small, you know, peptides that are that are built from amino acids. So super, super important. Uh, what about what about fasting? Can you fast and still put muscle on? And what would be a strategy there for athletes? So the answer is yes. So you know, there was some talks about this the last couple of years. They were trying to say you can't build muscle while fasting. That's actually incorrect. You can absolutely do it. I've done it many times. I have clients that have done it. Uh, typically what I recommend to people when they're trying to still build muscle, but they want to go on some kind of fasting schedule is we do something called, uh, flexing basically. So what I do with them is they'll intermittent fast pretty much every day, but we carb load every other day. So kind of how I, how I explain it is on the days that I train, I'll intermittent fast. I'll have my workout. I'll eat lunch and dinner that day, maybe a snack in between, And then the day that I'm not training the following day or I'm active recovery, I carb load that day. I may still intermittent fast, but I eat a ton of carbs. So I'll eat carbs at lunch, I'll eat carbs at dinner, big carb loading meals, Mm -hmm. you know, sweet potatoes, white rice, um, you know, lentils, chickpeas, lentils, like you just add in as many carbs as you can, because kind of what you're doing on these flexes is you're just filling your glucose tank. Now your glucose tank is your muscles, everybody. So when you, you have ex, extra storage to store all this energy, so when you carb load, all that extra glucose goes into the muscles. So then when you don't eat as many carbs the following day, you're emptying that tank and then you do it again. 
So you're able to still maintain this intermittent fasting schedule, stay lean, but actually build muscle. So I put on like 15 pounds of muscle in two, two, like six, what was it six weeks? I think last time I told you mm -hmm. so roughly a month and a half to two months, but completely possible. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, you're not starving yourself. You're just kind of flexing on these other days, but absolutely. You know, fasting is great because for recovery, it's giving us that rest. We're not digesting food. The body can focus on repairing and rebuilding. Right. And honestly, if you ask me, that's one of the better tools I have actually found for recovery hmm. uh, because I used to eat all the time. So before when I weighed a lot, like it was always breakfast, lunch, dinner, right? Like nonstop. It was just constant eating. And that was one of the big things that actually helped me a lot was just going to more of an intermittent fasting schedule, doing these carb flexes every other day. And I stayed lean. I recover well. I'm not hurting. You know, it's crazy how better the recovery is now uh, versus, you know, where it used to be. I don't, I'm not sore for like three days after a really heavy workout, you know, like I yeah. usually day and a half and my body's already making its way back. Yeah. And, and just to, to reiterate one of the points you made earlier, like, you know, you don't want to eat a, even a decent sized meal or a small meal before you work out. You really want to, ideally, if you can work out in a fasted state. Now, if you are going to work out, in the afternoon, you know, try to, you know, delay, delay that workout for at least, you know, maybe three, four hours from your, from your last meal, if that's the only time you can do it. But ideally you do go in in a fasted state. If you now, if you feel like you absolutely need something, this is where amino acids can come in. You can take a, a couple scoops, get, get up to 10 grams of aminos of the, if you're doing the body health ones. Uh, before your workout, or you could do them after your workout. These are these are great tools to extend that experience because, as David said in the beginning, these various types of exercise are going to elicit different types of hormone responses. And what happens after you go through this, you know, challenge, you're going to get this massive surge in growth hormone, uh, among lots of other hormones like adrenaline and other things like that. But the idea is, is that is this, as this growth hormone rises, you want to you want it to linger in the body for as long as you can. So we usually tell people, you know, go ahead and have the aminos, but try to delay your eating for a couple hours after that workout, so you can really ride that hormone wave of growth hormone. Oh, and that's huge, dude. I mean, yeah, massive. that's that other. That's the second conventional wisdom myth of the gym yeah. is eat right away after you yeah. train. And you have people like with their <laughs> banana and their apple as fast as you can. They've got their protein shake in their bag, and immediately after they're done working out, they're like slamming it right. Yeah, and it's amazing because what Nick's speaking to is huge. You're you shut off that hormone response. You just killed everything you did in the gym because insulin yeah. competes with all these other things. So the moment you spike that insulin right after the gym, all that growth hormone and testosterone that you just focused on building <laughs> right away, you just literally crapped on it. No joke. Yeah. So that true. two hour window is huge. It really yeah. is. What do the research studies show on that? It's like 1200% increase mm -hmm. in testosterone when you hold out for two hours post gym. Yeah. That's yeah, huge. It's huge. Huge, huge, huge. Okay, so let's talk about some, uh, we talked about some of the time of strategy and you know, the fasting, different types of exercise you can do there, some some ways to work, work in an alternate day carb loading depending on your workout schedule, uh, delaying your eating afterwards, getting rid of the sugar, um, putting in the right fats, the right amino acids. These are all foundational things. Let's talk about some biohacks or some passive recovery tools that you can utilize to flush maybe the lactic acid, uh, help to speed through DOMS, the delayed onset uh, muscle soreness, 
um, you know, what are some of the, the tools you've used and what are some things that maybe that you would recommend to people? So one of the easier ones I'd start with is using um, molecular hydrogen, man. Hmm. So just making sure you're staying hydrated. You can throw some tablets in your water uh, pre-workout, post-workout, just throughout the day. Hydrogen water in the morning and the evenings is good. It will actually enhance recovery. So that's, that's a really easy thing you can add in. And then uh, you have a, we both have a, a PEMF, right? So we yeah. have a Beamer, B-E-M-E-R, Beamer yeah. Microcirculation Devices. So these are amazing. These improve microcirculation in our body by 32%, right? 32. And it's massive for recovery. You know, that's the super highways on which we carry everything. When we need to recover, we need good circulation. So those actually help a lot with circulation. And then you have the red light therapy, right? So uh, that's also great for recovery. If uh, you have a juve light or there's some other companies out there, um, things like that. And then you also have hyperbaric. So you actually have more toys than I have to play with in this department. But those are some really good ones, man. Um, you know, some of us have access to some of these things. Nick's got those at his longevity lab up there at Divine Elements, but those are great, man. Um, and the sauna. So, yeah, and then infrared sauna, yeah. That's mm -hmm. the other one we both have. So, like, I have the Beamer, the sauna out here. Uh, you got the foot bath too, don't hydrogen. you? Yeah, we use the ionic foot baths. I don't yeah. use those as much for recovery. Um, I do have the recovery pumps. So, recovery pumps are great. So, vasopneumatic compression is great. Number one for lactic acid and moving the lymph out of the body and just keeping it circulating. Um, but, you know, like, I started with water, man. Like, a lot of people yeah. are hydrated. So that, that was, <laughs> I would really just say, Keep like, it simple, right? are you hydrated? Yeah. Like, just ask yourself there, like, do I drink enough water? Because a lot of my patients, like, I find we don't drink enough water. Yeah. And, and this slows everything down. This slows fluid flow down. Your lymphatics will not move. So that's why you're probably sore too long because you don't have enough hydration in your body to be moving that stuff through. So just make sure you're kind of doing the right things first. And then these hacks, like Nick is saying, they build on mm -hmm. the foundation of you doing everything right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then on the topic of water, I mean, I'd, we'd refer people to listen to the episode with uh, Robert Slovak, um, yeah. Water and Wellness. And he gets into the kind of water because that's an important piece um, to, to the whole recovery process if you're doing it right. Because essentially, you know, to summarize, definitely check out the, the, the podcast, but to summarize, uh, reverse osmosis is your best bet for the cleanest uh, water, but you got to make sure you remineralize. So yeah. minerals uh, you're, are part and parcel to hydration. And so, you know, you mentioned the fast tonic. Uh, there's ASEA is another tool that we've used on, yeah. on ourselves and patients for yeah. helping with that intracellular um, redox molecules within that, that really help to re reset uh, cellular integrity and cellular function and energy and all that stuff. Um, so that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Quinton, the, the, the minerals that I love those, by the oh, way, man. man, they're amazing. Yeah, they're awesome. So all of those are, are powerful tools to really upgrade or enhance your, your water experience. You know, one of the, one of the things that I talk about with patients a lot is just sort of a hierarchy to healing and, you know, and I, and I sort of relate this to just basic lifestyle. So you, if we're talking about survival mechanism, you can't go then a four, more than a few minutes without breath. So how's your breath even, you know, are you breathing properly? You have a breathing practice, breath work, 
uh, is part and parcel to increasing your activity because you're engaging more of your diaphragm and obviously you're getting things moving. So that's inherently built into your exercise. And you can also incorporate a breath practice that, that, that coincides with your recovery. You know, it can be breath of fire, pranayama, alternate nostril breathing, box breathing, lots of other tools there. Uh, David brought up the priority number two, which is your hydration, you know, and then the question there is, are you doing it right? Are you hydrating properly? Are you adding the minerals, the hydrogen, whatever it may be? And then step three is when we eat, which we already referred to, which is more important initially, I think, than what we eat. But there's when you eat and then how you move and then ultimately your nutrition. So it's interesting, I think, in the world that we're in, we focus so much in on that nutrition and we forget, you know, these stages of, of importance that, that precede are you getting your food right and the food is extremely important. But I always like to sort of lay out that hierarchy of like, are you just an upper chest breather? Are you really engaging your full diaphragm because you're doing increased activity? And now can you incorporate a conscious breath practice into this whole thing? Um, and then into the water and the fasting, everything. Oh, that was uh, huge, man. Isn't it amazing how we like overshoot some of the basics? Sometimes? Totally. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, oh my God, that should have been the first thing that we talked about, right? Because yeah. honestly, man, looking back, I didn't breathe with a crap no. when I was younger. I didn't, I was never trained how to breathe properly. And I look back and realize that that actually hindered my endurance that hindered a lot of my performance, sports performance in my, in my sports. You know what two things finally taught me how to breathe yoga and running. Mm. Yeah. Yoga is amazing with breath because you can't fully open up into that body glove if you're not breathing right. Yeah. And anybody who's been like through a good yoga flow for about an hour, once you find your breath during that flow, it's like night and day difference how you start moving on that mat. But if mm -hmm. you have trouble finding your breath, it can be a very long hour of your work. <laughs> and it's the same thing with running. True. Right? Yeah. Same thing with running. It's I have so some true. runs, man, I go on. My breathing is so good. I'm just flying and like feeling nothing. My endurance is amazing. And then I have other days I go on runs and I can't find my breath. And I struggle, man. I struggle mm -hmm. the whole run. So breathing is huge, man. I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, you could be taking all the best supplements in the world and doing all these other things. But if you don't have some of these foundations, like we're talking like hydration and breathing, right, man, forget it. You're already not doing some of these things, right? You know, what's interesting is I remember when we talked a while ago about, you know, training for the Spartan race and, uh, and you said you, I, I hate running. So it's, it's so interesting to see you, you know, a couple of years later, after having, you know, reincorporated into your life and, and recognizing this gift of breath and this, this new relationship that you have with it. Like that's, that's pretty and cool. That, and that was why the relationship sucked because yeah. I didn't breathe right. Right. Totally. I mean, and it's funny, man, now when it's time for me to do stuff like that, like running or I go mountain biking, like I'm like, I enjoy that stuff. Like, yeah, I really, I really do because it's really just about finding your breath when you go out and do those things. It's all it is. Mm -hmm. It's all it is. And, and you've like, you've come a long way, just even your, your flexibility, right? So you know, there's, there's a great book I'm reading right now. It's called yoga anatomy. Um, and it's, it's changing the, the dialogue of what breathing means into, are you breathing or are you just changing shape? Cause essentially like, a breath and an inhale, you're expanding this lung capacity in three dimensions, which is forcing a change in space in your abdominal cavity. 
you know, and then this contraction, you know, is this change in volume of the lung, which allows for more of the space change again in the, the abdominal cavity. So it's just breathing is really more about flexibility of the spine of, of the oh, internal organ geez. systems of the inflammation in your body, the, the nervous detox. tone, the, the detox. And so your ability to change the shape of your internal cavities is a, a direct correlation of your ability to move through stress and challenge um, with ease or with, with, you know, with challenge, with more challenge than, than maybe necessary. So I, I think it was, it was a really, it was a really eye opening you know, um, dialogue to, to, to dive into that information in, re in regards to like this change in shape. It's, well, it's a good point, man. Like yeah. how many patients do you think I see where they're like, Oh, I always collect my stress and my traps. I'm like, yeah. no, you don't breathe right. <laughs> and they look at me right away. Like what? I'm like, yeah, you don't breathe right. That's, there's no such thing. Like you're not breathing right. And so I'm huge. I push everybody to learn Wim Hof or it's a book called Warriors for Breathing. I mean, just go and start learning. It seems so simple, but me and Nick are spending time speaking about this because it will change your life. I have patients that have low back pain and some that have neck pain, and it's just because they don't breathe right. The moment they reestablish and they learn how to breathe, they literally get rid of their neck and low back pain mm -hmm. just because they started breathing properly. Yeah. So it makes massive changes. And if it's something that you think you need to get better at, why not? It's just like going to the gym. You can train your diaphragm. You can learn to get bigger breaths. Like Nick's saying, you can learn to start improving all these things. And it doesn't just change one thing. It changes a spectrum of things in your health. So it's huge. Yeah. And we only have so much time. Can we talk about supplements? Well, we talked a little bit about amino acids and, and fatty acids. Maybe we should do a part two. Yeah, um, we can do that. But what I was going to say is I want you to talk a little bit uh, just before we close here on uh, variation of your movement. So you, you taught me some cool stuff at a, at a conference once, um, which I've incorporated. But maybe just talk a little bit about some of the different types of movements to re-engage the fascia, the ligament, ligament system, the, mm -hmm. um, you know, and through these maybe problem primal movement or whatever you would like to t uh, speak on. So real quick story before I explain that, I won't take too long. So, you know, I, I was like, we talked, I was an athlete. I probably lifted weights and trained, uh, playing baseball and football from the time I was maybe 16 all the way to, I was like, sheesh, man, like 25. Cause I even played uh, a lot of competitive flag football in grad school. Anyway, the thing, man, is I would I would train, but I'd always have kind of aches and pains on and off. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed, like, okay, wait a second here. Like, I want to be fit, but I don't want to hurt, and I shouldn't be hurting. And it got to a, a place in my mid twenties where I was like, man, like I, I work out all the time. I love doing this, but like I'm hurting. Like my joints hurt. You know, my knees, my shoulders, my hips on and off, my back. So I said, okay, there's got to be a better way to do this. So then I started, I told myself at around 30, I wasn't going to lift weights anymore. I was going to dive into all these other disciplines of exercise that I had never messed with. So yoga and Pilates and primal movement and uh, just all body weight based stuff, no weights. And it was amazing. One thing I learned was, holy crap, was I very inefficient at a lot of these other things. So you realize how many holes you're getting punched in where you thought you were from a fitness component. And then the other piece of that is I realized like I had very poor stability, mobility in my joints and spine, uh, 
flexibility, all those things just weren't there. So from about 30 to 35, man, I did all those different disciplines and I rebuilt my body. And literally within five years, I didn't look the same anymore. Like I have the lean cut body that I always wanted. And it was really because, I mean, not just the exercise, I, I do things differently like we're talking, but I don't hurt anymore. I have the best flexibility I've had in my life. I have the best mobility of my spine. I have good integrity. I can move in all different motions and positions and I don't get restricted. I mean, I used to be very limited. I was very muscle bound. And this is why I was hurting all the time. So I always tell people, you know, any fitness regimen, you have to have a multidisciplinary approach and varying the types of disciplines that you're using towards your fitness, because you can't be in a place where you're just doing strength training all the time, or I just go to the gym and do CrossFit, or I just go to the gym and I do sculpting. Or that's all I do, right? Because you're, you're building a very unidimensional type of, of body, and you're going to have a lot of problems because that one discipline is not comprehensive for everything that you need to be fit. So I tell people, you need to add at least three things that you do, three types of disciplines of exercise that are different to build a well-rounded body. So yeah, you can do your weight training, right? Or your CrossFit, but then you also come over here and you do maybe yoga or Pilates. And then maybe you also do primal movement or like just body weight type movement exercise. And what this, what you'll notice will happen over time is one, if you're having certain pains and, and aches and things like this over time, a lot of these things dissipate. You'll notice your mobility gets better and your stability of your joints, right? These massive changes happen in the body just from adding these different disciplines. So if you're one of those people that you have very, you know, you're hurting, the gym's not fun anymore, I wanna be fit, but I don't feel good anymore and I'm hurting, then it's time for you to change your process. If you want a different result, you can't keep doing the same thing thinking you're going to get a different result. You're just going to keep getting the same, right? So that was one of the biggest things that, that I saw in my life that has helped me tremendously. And I'm always telling my patients, like, you need to add more disciplines. And it's amazing. The ones that listen to me, it's life-changing for them, just like it was for me. But the ones that don't, man, they just continue to kind of go down that road of just having the same problems because they're not willing to just change some of these things. Yeah. It's interesting, those conversations, too, because, you know, I have them with patients all the time. You know, it could it could have started off with uh, yeah, hit the gym uh, five, six, seven days a week. I'm crushing this much protein powder and and people get or creatures a habit. We're all we're all like this. And we, we all have these, you know, um, very uh, unidimensional, you know, aspects of how we see ourselves or how we want to see ourselves. And we don't realize that if we just open up that lens a little bit, you know, bring brought, brought in a few more of these practices, bring brought in a little bit more diversification, which is one of our, you know, favorite terms for a lot of what we teach. Um, it, it's a, it's sometimes it's a difficult conversation just to expand the mind. So part of this, you know, training the flexibility and the different movement strategies of the body are we also willing, you know, maybe as the last piece to really be flexible in that mental space so that we can go, okay, it's time to learn something new. And it's, 
you know, often when we're faced with learning something new, we're like, oh shit, there's a, there's a whole lot to learn here. Um, but can we have that sort of beginner's mind kind of look at ourselves on a more regular basis? Are we, are we willing to, you know, investigate and, you know, said, look at those, those holes, those, those inconsistencies, the resistance within our body, are we willing to actually address them so that we can open up to some of these new levels of understanding about ourselves or new levels of healing even, you know, cause often where that pain is, you know, there's a physical component, there's an emotional component, there's a mental block, there's you know, maybe toxicity or inflammation might be something else going on. So um, yeah, great, great conversation today, buddy on, on all these different aspects. Um, and uh I get, where, where do you want, where should we leave them? I mean, you, we, you did bring up some supplements. Is there some core stuff that maybe that you want to just. Uh, one thing home? we left out, I would say pure form. So a good omega, yeah. you know, fatty acids, that's something, you know, big. And then for muscle growth, colostrum is great. That's yeah. another one, a big one that a lot of people will use if you're trying to put on uh, some muscle. And there's a lot of other things we probably need to do uh, another, another yeah. one of these just talking about supplements, but you know, one other thing we left out for recovery, CBD. Mm. CBD is great. Okay. So, yeah, just a couple things there. But, yeah, man, I think we gave him a lot of stuff today. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of good nuggets in this one. And for our listeners, I would say for your home play is pick at least one or two of these things that we talked about today. And if you're not already doing them, start making some changes like Nick is saying, right? So this could be like, oh, I'm going to try taking uh, – I'm going to remove some of these things from my diet and see how I do, or I'm going to take another day off and do active recovery, or, you know, uh, I'm going to start working on my breath because I've noticed that's something I struggle at. So pick one or two of these things that we spoke about today that you know that you maybe need to work on or add another discipline. Maybe you need to add that new discipline to your regimen because there's something missing, but yeah, man, lots of, lots of good things today. Yeah. I love it. It's funny. Cause we said, you know, before getting on, it's like, how do we not talk about this one yet? Um, it's just such a such an important one. And and so many of us that are, you know, either intentional with being regular with a practice or more just wanting to get in, or those of us who have been really steady and or are more the you know athletic type uh, that are maybe wanting some refinement uh, in their in their journey or their experience. There's I think there's something for everybody uh, with this one. So oh, yeah. Thanks so much for your wisdom, buddy. I, I mean, both of us def- deeply care about this this space and the physical well-being and the vehicle and taking care of, taking care of the vehicle for as long as possible. Um, it's is uh, definitely important to us, and and we feel that this is, this should be important to everybody. Uh, we you know I think more so than any other time we've recognized just the power of being a resilient human being. You know, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, if it's if it wasn't important before, man is it important now. And so, Absolutely. one less thing to have to worry about if we can take proper care and attention to uh, our recovery practice. Right? Huge. All right, brother. So we got some uh, fun guests coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, for those of you tuning in, and uh, we'll see all of you in the next one. Thanks for being a part of the show. Yes, we love you all. Thank you for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.